What's going on, everyone? This is Shields back at it with another episode of the Wreak Havoc podcast. Today, we have David Bedansky, and I'm so glad to have you on here because there's a lot of questions. Reading, reading your bio, figuring out who you are, and I just want to let everyone know in the audience, this is going to be a good episode, especially if you're trying to be healthy, especially if you're trying to pick the right diet and be you know, an active person, especially in today's climate. There's so much going on. You want to be as healthy as possible. So how are you? How are you, David? I'm doing great, Brandon. Thank you for having me as a guest today. For sure, for sure. So just to get right into things, let us you know, tell everybody a little bit about who you are and maybe a little bit about what, what your story is and what's your, what's your mission. Sure. Uh, I'm a former divorce lawyer. I practiced divorce law for 13 years until 2005 in, in the Phoenix metropolitan area. And then after that, I became a world-class expert at playing casino craps. And I wrote six books on that. And after that, I started teaching people how to lose weight without going on a diet. Because I had my own weight loss journey back in 2016. It was July of 2016 where the doctor told me, based on my lab results and being significantly overweight, I had a 95% chance for a fatal heart attack. So he gave me two options. He said, dude, you can find a new doctor or lose the weight. And he strongly suggested I find a new doctor because he had been after me for eight years to lose weight. Like most people, I procrastinated. You know, I'll wait till Monday after the holidays, after vacation, whatever excuse I can come up with to delay starting a diet, I did. And if I did go on a diet and lost weight, I didn't keep it off. However, this time was different. This time I shed 50 pounds in four months and I've kept it off. So now I'm on my mission to help other people reduce weight and keep it off in a healthy way. And I've written three books. The last one was called Break the Change of Dieting, and it's endorsed and recommended by Jack Campbell, co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. And it's also won nine awards so far. And I'm working on a fourth book, which will make it easier for people. So the next book will be called uh, Stop Dieting, Start Thinning. It'll be released soon. And it's not only what to do, it's also how to do it. So it's just no fluff. Here's what you need to do. And I look at the positives of what people want to focus on, what they like to eat that is healthy for them. So instead of focusing on negative things like, oh, I'm not allowed to have this or I have to you know, sacrifice or forego certain things, it's no, change your mindset, change your attitude. Exactly, and I like that. I like that you're going, you're, you're putting out books without, you know, without the fluff, without all the material that's not gonna be straight to the point. So that's interesting, very interesting. So and you're also talking about you know, in terms of losing weight, what's you know, you're going to be pointing out the easiest things to do to get there. So, what do you think is the hardest part of losing weight? Getting started. Getting started. Momentum. You're saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, once you get started and you get the momentum, then it's easier to keep. And also, diets do work. However, they're all temporary. They're extreme. They're hard to stick with, and a lot of them are potentially dangerous to your health. What I tell people is if you want to lose weight and keep it off, don't go on a diet. Instead, change your diet. And there's a big difference between a diet of what you eat and dieting or being on a diet. I understand that. Yes, definitely. And when it comes to when it comes to putting the calories down, 
why do you think that people overeat so much? Why do you think what do you what do you think is the reason so many people overeat before they even get to the part of hey, I might need to get on a diet? Well, the first reason I thought of initially was stress. A lot of people would eat because they're under stress or they're bored. What I've since learned in doing research is that it's not stress, it's convenience. Because it's easier to go through the McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's drive through the Carl's Jr. It's easier to pick up the bucket of Kentucky, you know, fried chicken or right. the church's fried chicken or Popeye's. It's easier to pop a frozen meal in the microwave. It's easier to you know, order pizza or have one delivered. It used to be people would go to the grocery store and if they were overweight, they would get these motorized shopping carts. Now we're getting to the point where people are so lazy, they don't even need to go to the grocery store. They just order it and it's delivered to their house. And they don't know what the healthy foods are. They're eating fake foods, foods that I highly processed or manufactured. And a manufactured food is not made by nature. It's made by someone with a white lab coat in a laboratory. It's chemicals. And people think, oh, this tastes great. Well, they're scientifically engineering our food to optimize our cravings for fat, salt, sugar, and texture. So it becomes addicting. And it's intentional that they're turning us into food junkies. Yeah, and that really does interest me because, uh, especially when it comes to us in America, right? We have a such a... We have such a society that's built on these foods that are, like you said, fake materials, almost, that's in these foods, these lab-made lab materials. If you go around the world, maybe Europe, Asia, etc., you, you have more natural foods with, and then you, you stack up the health crisis between, you know, it might, it's kind of an epidemic, wouldn't you say so, in America, because of some of these factors? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we no longer have a health crisis. We have a disease crisis. And a lot of it is preventable. Before COVID, 72% of people in the United States who were hospitalized were there because of food-related issues. More people are dying today from food-related issues than from smoking, cancer, and automobile accidents combined. So think about that more people are dying because of what we're putting into our mouths and that's a choice we make and what I tell people it doesn't matter how much money you have you cannot pay someone to drink the right you know water for you or eat the right food or do physical activity it's not so much the exercise and there's a lot of myths out there being promoted by the weight loss industry and the food industry for example something will say fat free so someone may say oh that must be healthy for me what they don't tell you, it's loaded with sugar, and then that sugar turns into fat in your body. Oreo cookies are more addicting than cocaine. So imagine that, a legal cookie is more addicting than an illegal drug. And that's what's happening. Um, if you're over age 50, you're the 50 plus generation, there's an 80% probability you're either a type two diabetic or a pre-diabetic. And if you're a pre-diabetic, what it means is if you do not change your eating habits and lifestyle, you'll be a full-blown type 2 diabetic within seven years. So what's happening is these foods, the fake foods that we're ingesting, they're poisonous and toxic. And you may not notice it right away because it doesn't affect you. How after 10, 15, 20 years, 
that's when you start seeing the negative consequences build up. Darren Hardy mentions it as the compound effect in his book, The Compound Effect. And that's what's happening is we don't realize we're slowly being poisoned. Great, great book, by the way, you just pointed out. And, you know, you, you were just speaking a little bit about, you know, how everybody, you can't tell some, well, you can't tell someone to drink that water. You can't tell someone to eat that food for you. Likewise, for exercise, you can't have somebody go and take a jog or lift some weights. So how important is exercise in the scheme of things for the formula of being healthy? It's about, depending on who you ask, anywhere from 15 to 5%. So 85 to 95% of your weight loss and health issues is directly related to what you put in your mouth. Losing weight by exercise is a myth. And it was propagated and promoted by the biggest loser on TV. And unfortunately, 66% of those people, the contestants on The Biggest Loser, regained all of their weight, some gained even more, mm -hmm. and probably about 90% gained most of their weight back. It's not sustainable. The people on there were in the gym working out six, seven, eight hours a day. They had professional chefs cooking meals for them. Well, that's not real life. No. You know, we all have family obligations and work responsibilities and a lot of stresses. So what I tell people is, Start modifying your eating habits and do it gradually. Look at it this way. Would you like to weigh 24 to 48 pounds lighter by this time next year? Well, most people who need to lose weight would say, yeah, that would be great. Okay, can you lose two, three, four pounds a month? Most people say, that's doable. Not a week, a month. Well, if you do two to three or four pounds a month consistently on average, because some months will be more, some will be less, for 12 months, in a year, you're going to be 24 to 48 pounds lighter. The problem today is people listen to the national brands advertise, lose 15, 20, 30 pounds guaranteed your first month on this new program or diet. Well, you'll lose the weight. It's just not sustainable. And most likely, if you don't change your eating habits, you'll regain it. So I promote a lifestyle change. And that's what I think is more important. The other thing is... Most people will start their New Year resolutions by saying they're going to exercise more and eat healthier. So you start going by going to the gym and exercising, and you do it for two or three weeks, and the scale's not moving. Mm -hmm. And you're wondering, what the heck is going on? I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. Well, you're replacing your fat with muscle. Five pounds of muscle weighs the exact as five pounds of fat. The difference being fat takes up more room because muscle is denser. So the scale may not be moving, but your clothes will probably start feeling looser and, and you'll feel better, you'll have more energy. However, people look at the number on the scale and they say it's not working and they stop. You need to be consistent and give it enough time to have that work. Let me tell you about one of my clients, his name was David also. And he experienced this when he started with me for three weeks, he was doing everything right. And I said, how's the weight? And he goes, I haven't shed a pound yet. So what's going on? He goes, I don't know. I asked, are you exercising more? Yeah, I'm riding my bike. You know, I'm walking five miles a day. I said, well, how do your clothes feel? He goes, oh, they're loose. In fact, people are asking me if I'm losing weight, but I'm not. I said, don't go by the scale. Go by, you know, your clothes and how you feel. And then a couple weeks later, the scale started dropping. So that's one of the problems people don't realize. 
yeah, they don't really teach you that, uh, these companies that are promoting a lot of this. And they don't really teach you that, okay, the scale's not going to matter nece necessarily. It's more or less going to be how you feel or how you look over time. Now, here's an interesting question now that I've always been curious of. So is it more aligned to what you eat or how much you eat? Both. Um, yeah. You can eat a whole pint of blueberries or raspberries or blackberries, which will have about 100 calories. An apple has about 100 calories in it. However, it takes your body 25 calories to digest the apple, plus it's loaded with a lot of phytonutrients and other, you know, nutritional value. You eat a Hershey bar, which is about 125 calories, takes your body zero calories to digest and process it, and it has no nutritional value. So it's not so much of how much you're eating and what you're eating, it's a combination of the two. The other thing is we have, our portions of food have been supersized without us realizing it. For example, in the 1900s, the average size dinner plate was nine inches in diameter. Today, that same dinner plate is 12 inches in diameter and in restaurants, it's 13 to 15 inches in diameter. Yet in Europe, a dinner size plate is still nine inches in diameter. So in Europe, they're eating less. It's also been shown, scientifically proven, that if you put the same amount of food on a salad plate as a dinner size plate, there's an optical illusion so that the salad plate, it looks like you have more food, and on a dinner size plate, it looks like you have less food. So what happens is people overserve themselves when they don't need to. So what I tell people is use a salad plate. And I go one step further. I tell people use a blue salad plate. The reason being the color blue is an appetite suppressant. There's only two foods in nature that are blue, a blueberry and a grape from South America. However, red and yellow are appetite stimulants. That's why McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, Carl's Jr., all the fast food places use red and yellow or a combination thereof in their marketing because it increases your appetite. So there's little psychological tricks they play on you. And the food industry will pay millions and millions of dollars to psychologists and marketing experts to manipulate you to buying their products. Yeah, no accident by, by those fast food brands choosing those colors. Very thought out for sure. So let's, let's, let's skip around a little bit because I, I think that a lot of people, you know, they're, they're hearing a lot of these words, calories, fats, what type of fat, what you know, the nutrients are in this particular piece of food or whatever they're buying. So how do they, before they buy it, they obviously, and they're, they're more health conscious now, they're in the grocery store, they're looking at the labels, they're trying to figure out, okay, is this healthy for me or not? How would you guide them in terms of reading these labels and figuring out what is in X, Y, and Z product? Well, the first thing I tell people is how to read a nutritional fact panel. Most people go about it reading it the wrong way. Most people will look, the first thing is the calories. Okay. Then the next thing they may look at is the portion or serving size. Sometimes they don't. Then they may look at the sodium. They may look at the sugar content, the protein, the carbohydrates. They don't distinguish between a simple carbohydrate and a complex carbohydrate. 
Simple carbohydrates are bad for you. Complex carbohydrates are good for you. So when people say carbohydrates are bad for you as a general term, they're giving you wrong information or not total information. What ne people need to look at is the ingredients, which is the very small fine print at the bottom of the label. And that's the most important thing. What is it that you are ingesting into your body? Most of it is chemicals. If you're unable to pronounce it or you don't understand what it is, it's probably bad for you. It's gone so far as looking at a jar of Prego spaghetti sauce just to look at the ingredients. And at the very far bottom, it says uh, bioengineered foods. It contains bioengineered foods. And right below that, it said bioengineered foods are uh, genetically modified you know, crops. Well, what does that mean? You know, again, we don't know what we're eating. So they're telling you right on the label that it's highly processed and made in a laboratory. If you can pronounce it, great eat it if not don't and the easiest thing is to you know get fruits vegetables they don't even have to be fresh they can be canned as long as it's in you know water not salt and also frozen vegetables are just as nutritious as fresh vegetables so again it's a myth out there as to what people think is healthy and what's not healthy avoid anything that says fat free the reason being it contains the ingredient olestra it used to be, or Olean, it's, it used to be called Olestra, now it's called Olean. Um, and it started out as a cholesterol-reducing drug. And then Procter & Gamble discovered that they could put it into food to reduce the fat content. But that doesn't mean it's healthy for you. So be careful what the ingredients are. Very the thing is, you know, the same thing, you know, Brandon, with the imitation plant-based right. meats. People should avoid it because when you see the chemicals they use in it, it's healthier to eat a grass-fed, you know, piece of beef than it is to get the imitation plant-based foods. Very interesting stuff. That's especially especially that. I, that's the first I've heard of it. But if that's the first time I've heard of it, it's probably interesting to look into because it's not marketed, right? There's all these companies spending billions of dollars trying to get you to. You know, buy and every fat. You see this now, where every restaurant or every fast food restaurant now has a vegan burger option, etc. So, yeah. If and as you said, if you cannot pronounce it, try to avoid it. Very interesting stuff. Now, if we backtrack a little bit about overeating, does does this all? Do you believe there's also a psychological thing in terms of over, overeating as a child? There's a lot of children that are told to make a happy plate, to finish your plate. Do you see that carrying into as an adult? Uh, and that have you dealt with that before in your field, where people have that psychological, you know, I have to finish my food that's on my plate, whether it's at a restaurant or at home. Yeah, I have, and, and uh, they've been told as a kid growing up, you know, there are people around the world starving, so eat your food. Uh, my attitude and this is my philosophy and this is what I tell them is uh, looks better on you than me or more for you than me or better in the trash than on my ass so you need to look at things and see why we do it a lot of times we eat and we don't realize why we eat a certain way or what we eat so there's a story I talk about in the book called the pot roast story and maybe you've heard of this maybe you haven't 
but for the audience, it's a young lady's hosting a dinner party and she makes a pot roast. And one of the guests says, this is delicious, can I get the recipe? And the host said, certainly. So the host writes down the recipe for her and the guest looks it over and she says, why do you cut the ends of the pot roast off before you cook it? And the host says, I don't know, that's how my mother taught me. So the host is curious, she calls her mother the next day and says, mom, when we make the pot roast, why do we cut the ends off? Mom says, I don't know, it's how your grandmother taught me, call your grandmother. So she calls her grandmother and says, grandma, when we make the pot roast, why do you cut the ends off? And the grandmother thought for a minute, she says, oh, because when I was first married, the pot I had was too small, so I had to cut the ends of the pot roast off to make it fit. Well, there's a perfect example of why we do something or cook a meal a certain way. It's because how we were taught. And a friend of mine, his name is John Canada, he calls it dietary duplication. So a lot of times you need to reevaluate and look at why you eat a certain thing, what you're eating, how you're eating it, where you're eating it, and you know, is there something you can change about it? Why do people put ketchup on french fries or their hamburgers? One of the worst things you can eat is ketchup, it's 60% sugar. Yet that's what they advertise and they show it on the commercials, people dipping their fries in the ketchup. So there's a lot of little psychological things going on. You talked about the marketing. Um, a box of spaghetti, if you look at some of them on the front, it'll say, you know, so much protein, zero sodium, zero fat, uh, this many calories. Well, that's all well and good. The one thing that they don't tell you when you look at the back, 46 grams of carbohydrates, and that's a simple carbohydrate. So that means it's not good to eat. Of course, they don't put that on front. So someone picking up a box of spaghetti says, oh, this can't be too bad for me because it's zero sodium, this much protein, this much, you know, of, you know, what's in there. So they think it's healthy when it's not. The other thing is eggs. Uh, I only eat whenever I can pasture eggs. Uh, and there's a difference between cage-free and pasture eggs. When they say range-free or cage-free, what it means is that the hens are in a big house and they're allowed to go outside, but maybe only a handful are close enough to the doors to get outside. And then the other thing is it'll say grain-fed or, or special feed. Well, they're feeding them with corn and soy. So that's what you're putting into the chicken. That's what's going into the egg. Pasture eggs, on the other hand, the hens are outside foraging for their food. So they're eating the bugs, the grass, the worms, everything that nature provides for them. And that's the difference. And people say, well, it's more expensive. It costs anywhere from $5 to $7 or $8 for a dozen pasture eggs. People wow. have no qualms paying 5 or $6 for an Egg McMuffin at McDonald's you complain about paying 50 or 60 cents for an egg you're talking a dollar or two for a meal so again people don't look at their food the way i do it's like you think it's expensive when it's not goes back to convenience i would say yeah you like, you see yeah. something that's easier a dollar you know three dollars for a 12 for a carton of eggs okay i'm going to take this over the you know the six seven dollar thing and i guess it really drives back to education on that point you did make a point about when we were talking about chickens a second ago. Now that's a huge thing that, you know, over the last 50, yeah. 60 years, the size of what a chicken has looked like. What are your thoughts on maybe that side, the poultry side of things? And 
because chicken's the number one you know meal that people eat and in, in the United States in terms of a protein option so how is how is that going forward or backwards we're, we're going the wrong direction with chickens if you see pictures of chickens from the 1940s and 1950s compared to today's chicken it's about a quarter of the size today's chicken is about four times larger um, I, my mom bought some large chicken breast and I said this isn't natural I wasn't going to touch it uh, but people think oh it's bigger it's getting you know a better value it's all full of hormones and water and other chemicals that aren't healthy for you uh, unless the chicken is you know free range or range free you know really you know outside not marketing gimmicks I, I am I tend to stay away from eating chicken I, I prefer eating the wild caught fish I do eat beef, it's grass-fed beef, whenever possible. I'm not a food, food purist, and I don't want people to get the wrong impression. Um, I do the best I can to eat the healthiest foods, but a lot of times, you know, we're out driving, you know, traveling, it's just easier to go to McDonald's and get an Egg McMuffin. It's just, you know, that's what it is. I just get it without the Canadian bacon. But there are certain choices you can make. Um, people unfortunately think salads are healthy. However, it's one of the worst things you can eat on a diet because what people don't realize is in restaurants, if you look at the calorie content on some of those salads, it can be anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 calories. And they're like, well, how's that? It's just, you know, lettuce and vegetables and, and greens. No, it's the salad dressing, which has a lot of fat. It's the nuts, the croutons, the, you know, proteins. The cheese. The extra, you know, cheese. Yeah, yeah. And before you know it, it adds up. And it comes in a big bowl. So you're eating a lot when you think you're eating healthy, you're not. Yeah, that's, that's obviously that's the number one thing people resort to. Okay, I'm not gonna have the pasta, instead I'm gonna have you know the, the chicken Caesar or whatever they, they intend to have. And yeah, it's actually, and they, they do that. And kind of like you were talking earlier, how people do New Year's resolutions. They say, okay, I'm gonna have resolution of salad. They do that, you know, seven times over the course of two weeks. And then they're, oh, nothing's changed. Now I'm just gonna go right back to where dieting is not for me. And Or it gets boring eating the same yeah. thing over and over again. So again, what I tell people, everybody's different. Some people like to eat beef. So if you do eat the beef, just make sure it's grass fed whenever possible. If you like chicken, eat the chicken as long as it's a healthy kind as opposed to, you know, the inexpensive stuff that's loaded with hormones. Um, if you like fish, eat the fish. Make sure it's wild caught. Stay away from the farm-raised stuff. Uh, Atlantic salmon is farm-raised salmon. If you saw what it looked like without the coloring, it's nasty. Um, my wife and I were at the grocery store about a year and a half ago and we were arguing because I said, no, I won't eat the, you know, Atlantic salmon. I just want wild caught. And she says, why? I said, well, if you know what's in that Atlantic salmon, you won't touch it. And the uh, butcher behind the, the counter looked up and he said, he's right. <laughs> if you saw what we put in there, you wouldn't want it. So, wow. <laughs> uh, you know, again, you know, people think, oh, you know, it's Atlantic salmon. It's, again, a marketing tool to mislead people saying it's farm raised. So you got to be careful out there. Make sure it's wild caught. Even even yeah. a can of tuna on the front of a can of tuna, mm -hmm. it'll say, you know, in water or in oil. And the ones packed in water, if you turn the can on the back and look at the ingredients, 
a lot of them will say, you know, tuna, water, vegetable broth, and salt. Well, what's in that vegetable broth? They can have up to 168 different compounds in that vegetable broth. So I look, and again, on the front it says packed in water, not vegetable broth. So it's misleading. So I found two brands. Uh, Wild Planet is packed in water and tuna, uh, some sea salt, uh, Kirlin brand at Costco, and also Chicken of the Sea at Costco is packed in water without the vegetable broth. Same can of Chicken of the Sea at the grocery stores says vegetable broth. So go figure. <laughs> interesting. That is interesting. Um, so now, now changing the tone a little bit, a lot of our audience is on the younger younger side of the demographic, people that you know are teenagers or people that you know do not maybe they don't even supply their own groceries. What do you? How do you? How do they get? You know, how do they get in the in the know for having a healthier lifestyle when they don't even buy the groceries? What would you say to to young people who you know their parents or you know they're living paycheck to paycheck or whatnot and they're bringing home the groceries or they're doing what they're doing and they just you know go to the dinner table and eat every night well that's a tough one if you're not buying your own groceries or you don't have any input into it basically you just have to ask your parents um, you know for the healthier version point out to them how it's less expensive to eat healthier than it is for the convenience foods and also for the what they believe to be lesser expensive foods. Uh, the problem again today is when I lost my weight, I went back and started reading the books I had from the 1970s because like back then I was thin and fit. I wasn't fat. I was into health. Life gets in the way. Again, family obligations, work responsibilities, and the weight crept up on me. And when you're gaining five or 10 pounds a year, it doesn't seem like a lot except after, you know, 10 years, you're up 50 pounds. And that's where I found myself. I got lazy, I stopped exercising, and stopped, you know, started eating fast foods. When McDonald's or Burger King says two sandwiches for the price of one, I get the two sandwiches and eat both of them. So it's little things like that of realizing what you're putting into your mouth. Um, the other thing is we eat very fast. Um, we eat at our desk, watching TV, at the computers. And a lot of times I call it um, mindless eating where you look down and the sandwich is gone yeah. or the bag of cookies is empty or the popcorn in the you know, movie theater, it's gone. It's like, well, who ate it? Well, you did. You just didn't realize it because you're not focusing on what you're eating. So Mark David wrote a book called The Slow Down Diet. And in there he recommends if you take five minutes for breakfast, give yourself 10 or 15. And at a minimum, give yourself 30 minutes undistracted for lunch and 30 minutes undistracted for dinner so you can eat slower and focus on the food you're eating. And that way you eat less and you enjoy your meals more. So that's one thing young people can do. But getting back to the books, when I was reading the books I had from the 1970s by Paul and Patricia Bragg, Jack LaLanne, Richard Simmons, I noticed they all talked about basic eating, real simple stuff. And then I started reading the books from today's authors and I realized that those authors, for the most part, are promoting their own agenda, their own services, their own products, and they make it sound like if you don't buy their programs or their products, you're going to fail. So that's where I, I said, wait a minute, this is where it's becoming deceptive to the public out there. People think they have to get these expensive meals or programs when they really don't. And there's nine, I call them golden rules 
of weight loss for people who love to eat. And I can go through them very quickly for the audience. Yeah. The first one is drink water. Our bodies are 60 to 70% water, not soda or diet soda or fruit juices or fruit flavored beverages. So drink more water. Uh, orange juice is one of the worst things you can do to, it's unhealthy because it's all loaded with sugar. It takes four to eight medium oranges to make a glass of orange juice. Most people I ask, would you eat four to eight oranges at one time? And they say no. Well, that's what you're consuming, the amount of sugar by eating, drinking a glass of orange juice. So drink more water, make sure it's pure water. Reverse osmosis water with a six stage filtering is great. Distilled water or spring water from a reputable brand is very good. Uh, second thing is avoid the fake foods. Look at the labels, see what you're actually putting in, the ingredients. Uh, third is to eat whole or real foods, foods made by you know mother nature. Uh, number four is eat slower, take your time and, and don't eat in front of the computer uh, or watching TV. Uh, number five, uh, eat small portions. Use a salad plate instead of a dinner size plate. Number six is rest to digest. Give your time, your body time to digest the food. If you stop eating three hours before you go to bed, so if you go to bed at 10 o'clock at night and stop eating at seven o'clock at night, and your first meal is at nine or 10 o'clock in the morning, that's 12 to 14 hours, that's an intermittent fast. Most people are doing it without realizing it. The other thing is think positive. Change your mindset from being negative to positive. 80% of our thoughts are negative. Just imagine, Brad, and if we turn that around, made 80% of our thoughts positive. So instead of saying, you know, I'm on a diet or I need to lose weight, say, I'm eating healthy to reach my ideal weight. Just changing the words puts it out to the universe a little differently. And the other thing is, I talk about walking each day. Rebel Wilson lost 77 pounds in one year simply by walking an hour each day. Uh, Mindy Kalis, she lost weight by walking. And what she did was, when she had a 10 minute break, she would walk for those 10 or 15 minutes instead of social media, being on social media or texting friends. Well, if you do that four times a day, you're getting 40 to 60 minutes in a physical activity. So just move a little bit more. Really, you know, physical fitness is a very important for overall health. However, it's not a way to lose weight. And so what happens is when people start shedding the weight, they want to become more physically active. They want to get, you know, more involved with kids or grandkids and be a participator instead of a spectator. They want to, you know, be more active. So I just tell people, be more physically active. It doesn't mean you have to go to the gym and pay for expensive gym memberships. That is, that is really good insight. Very. And then, the, yeah, the last one is sleep more. Sleep more. Yes, yeah. you have to recover. You have to recover somehow. That is, that is especially with how society is, that everything's going faster. People have class, people have work, people have everything. Sleep. Yeah seven, yeah, seven to eight hours of quality sleep each night is good. If you have a TV in your bedroom or uh, your phone, take it out because the electromagnet, you know, the electricity being put off by it will disrupt your sleep. Try to keep the room as dark as possible and as cool as possible. So there's some tips for, for the audience on what they can do. And when people look at that, they're like, well, I know that. I understand you know that. Are you doing it? If not, why not? Because we all know what to do. We just don't do it. And as back to our first, the first question too, it was 
how do people, you know, basically, what is the hardest part? It's starting. It's getting that momentum going. Well, yeah. Thank you, David. Thank you for all of this and this insight. Not only I hope it impacted our audience. I know it impacted our audience. It also impacted me. I mean, you were just you were throwing facts left and right. I mean, I live in Florida, pretty active state, etc. But if funny thing you even said, you said we're talking about orange juice. Well, I live in Florida. Yeah. The number one exporter of fruit is is oranges. So it's it's very interesting. A lot of this stuff. Um, and you, you said you have how many books? Uh, three are out there right now, and then the fourth one, Stop Dieting, Start Thinning, will be be released in a few months. It'll be coming out soon. Perfect, perfect. Well, I want to end off there. Is there, uh, if anyone wants to learn more about about your stuff, uh, where would you tell them to, to look? Uh, they can go to my website of www.iamthinning, so that's capital I, A-M-T-H-I-N-I-N-G.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram, so they can find me on social media. They can reach out to me, they can direct message me. I'm happy to answer questions. I'm happy to get people started. Uh, I want people to have as much energy and feel as good as I do. I'm 67 and I just got done climbing Mount Kilimanjaro a couple months ago. Wow. So, you know, I'm exhibit A as far as being physically active and what people could do. So when people say they're too old, I tell them they need an attitude adjustment. In fact, I had a classmate that I helped and, and she ended up shedding uh, 45 pounds over six months. Her goal was 35, but her body kept going. And she's kept it off for the last four years and she's been um, very happy. Uh, and again, she looked at me when I first was talking to her. She was, wow, she was, you're planning all these trips and you're doing all this stuff. And she was, I'm planning on dying. I said, you need an attitude adjustment. And she was, you're right. So she changed her attitude and now she's, living instead of just existing and not only that she's thriving instead of just existing so uh, for young people we're all i was once young like you and thought i was infallible and i wasn't going to get overweight or fat and i was going to the gym and eating healthy let me tell you if you're not careful it'll creep up on you like it did for me so i went through that journey and i hope you won't have to i love the insights well, guys, thank you guys so much for, for listening. This has been David Medansky. Uh, and if you get, like you said, you can follow him. Uh, you can follow him and you can read any of his books. Go to his website. He's got great material. And that would be it for our episode for the Recavic Podcast.